Greetings, fellow investigators, and welcome back to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I play the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. Our campaign is entitled A Time to Harvest. It was written by Brian Sammons, Charles P. Ziglanis, Glenn Owen Barras, and Mike Mason, and it's available on the Chaosium website. Jeff Wilkins is our game master, and this is, ep- is Chapter 3, Episode 7. So without any further delay, let's continue our journey into the darkness. Jeff? Thanks, Tom. Um, so yeah, a brief, a brief little recap from last week. Um, you guys did really well, actually. Um, had that little side mission to head up to Canada. Abelard had a hot lead, thought that it might have involved the alien creatures. But as it turns out, after you guys investigating and snooping around and asking questions to some of the homeless people up there, they basically just came down to just a crazy preacher who had his own ideas about fortune telling and prophecy. And um, he ended up just basically being insane and he was murdering people and he was interested in phrenology. So that's why the, he was cutting the tops of their heads off and looking at their brains. So in the one sense, it was good in that you guys solved the mystery, so to speak. Uh, You helped out the police department up there. They were very appreciative of your help. Um, You know, you didn't step on any toes while you're up there. So it was kind of like an open invitation if you ever want to come back and, you know. um, And then what we'll say is, I'll just kind of fast forward through this a little bit where, you know, you, um, you basically got back on the travel arrangements. Everything was planned out for you for your return trip. It pretty much followed the exact same way you got there. So it involves plane travel, train travel. Um, and within a day or so, you're back home in Detroit at Abelard's um, headquarters in Detroit. Um, and we've debriefed him already. Yeah. D- is there anything you guys would like to mention to him specifically about that? Or do you want to just say you shared with him everything that happened? Yeah, I, I think we're good to just say that we told him yeah. what, what happened because the guy was mental, you know, it was insane. Mm-hmm. And that uh, we're eager to get on with the next like of this journey. Right. As is he, because, you know, this was, He's, at the same time, he's glad you got the guy caught and everything worked out. But at the same time, he was kind of hoping that maybe it was an alien encounter. So, so, but, you know, that's the name of the game when you're out alien hunting, I guess. We get it. Sometimes there's false alarms. I will say that he gave you a substantial bonus, a payment uh, for your time and trouble and risking the lives and um, hopefully it's not insulting to you and you can take did, it if you want it. Did we get any sanity back for solving that? Uh... Yeah, I, I had you do a couple sanity rolls. Oh, that's right. Um, oh, yeah, here it is. George slash Jerry, I know you weren't technically there, but we were sort of treating your NPC in the background should he be needed. Didn't really come up, but I'll leave it up to you. If you feel like you know you participated in the first part, you want to get some sanity back, you know, do like a D6 or a D10. It's up to you. I'll, I'll... Um, 
I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say yes, not because uh, of Jerry's involvement, since I think we were assuming he uh, went to investigate the mills due to his uh, dislike of the whole uh, Protestant ministry thing, but because it turned out that the uh, well, wait, was he a Catholic priest or was he a? It was a preacher. Yeah. Oh, oh, it was a preacher. Uh, okay, yeah. So yeah. anyway, Jerry would have. Oh, Jerry sorry. thought the guy was. Go ahead. I was, I was just going to say that was a. You guys assumed he was a Protestant preacher, but uh, several times I did refer to him as a priest. So I believe he was actually Catholic. Oh, Catholic priest giving a sermon for more than 15 minutes is extremely unusual. <laughs> yeah. He's a Canadian Catholic. I don't have that much to say. <laughs> well, either way, I think Jerry actually dislikes all uh, the Christian denominations equally, and so I think he would feel justified in his uh, distaste when it was determined that the uh, priest was actually a uh, psychopathic murderer. So I'm going to take the sanity just because uh, it reinforced Jerry's, uh, you know, worldview somewhat. <laughs> would you say it was a D6? Yeah, that was just a okay. Great. Um, can I ask, did anybody take any wounds? I don't think anybody was even attacked. You guys were like a, I think I mentioned it at the end of the episode, you guys were like, like a well-oiled machine. You went in and bing, bang, boom. Uh, and then we took care of business. We've gotten so wary of things uh -huh. thanks to the, the, bug, the bug hunt that we went on earlier. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we, we went in and dealt with him because we thought that was all just going to be a precursor to finding the Miko. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, get him out of the way, find the things. Oh, it was him. <laughs> <laughs> so then, again, I'm not going to worry too much about timing. Um, I don't think it's that critical. I keep saying that and I keep waiting to like read the next paragraph and find out, oh yeah, that was super critical. So if we have to rewind or fudge that then we'll all be prepared i think just for the sake of story we'll say it's maybe september 2nd or 3rd so we'll say we we're out of august now and into september um there's been no real timeline for your actual return trip to vermont except like you abelard is uh very excited to get things rolling and moving along. So he's he's going to basically, I think, after your return trip back from Canada, he'll let you. He'll give you a day for rest and recuperation and the the whole you know you, the talking out of what all happened and everything. Um, and then we'll just fast forward the next day. Uh, still in Detroit with the intent that the next day uh, you guys will then be on the road headed to Vermont back to Cobb's Corner. Okay. So let me ask you, I don't think we need to, but I just want to give put it out there if you want to talk about anything, if you want to get ideas, if you want to talk to Abelard while you're there, or you know, any last minute questions or um, the one thing I was wondering about, and I think I told you guys, I can't remember either in an email or last session, um, I asked you to think about exactly, you know, let's say you get to Cubs Corner, let's say you meet Amigo, and you somehow capture him. I wanted you to think about what are you going to do at that point? How are you going to 
detain him? How are you going to Didn't capture him? So to we try and eat it. The what? That's the hot butter. Yeah, the hot butter. Um, no, we do. We do have one difficulty, and that's that apparently they don't eat food like we eat food because it starved to death in the in the recording. Um, no, not exactly. Well, it, she tortured it, right? She, but it, but like, she, it did say that it was starving. Yes, it's a, it was asking for food over and over again, and she ended up electrocuting it. She didn't seem too concerned about what exactly it ate or how to yeah. nourish it. She said they were trying to give it food, but it wouldn't. It couldn't eat that kind of food. It eats something else, obviously. But she literally never asked, but what do you eat? It was... She was too busy torturing the Yeah, her level of callousness was uh, significant. But she is, is she the one who's coming with us? There's the doctor coming with us, right? Is it her? Yes, she is. Uh, I believe her name was Dr. Sarah Matherson. So I don't know if you want us to roleplay this in character or half in character, but my, uh, but at some point I might ask her if she had any idea uh, how we could uh, keep it restrained uh, in order to transport it. Well, res restrained without... Uh, how did they capture it without before? Without killing it, yeah. Mm. We eat only... Baba Ganoush. We got that. You go to California for that, I think. One of one of my uh, one of my favorite um, Indian philosophers. We worship the Abadeen. <laughs> the eggplant. That's the uh, Babadish. Let's see. I mean, that all makes logical sense. But I really wanted you guys to figure it out. So. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, I think my main suggestion would be ropes. We want to tie it up because if these things have claws, we want plenty of rope. Chuck it on the back of a truck. I don't. I, I, um, yeah. Obviously, you can electrocute them. I mean, they they can't be photographed, which which might mean they're made of something weird that. I mean, maybe they can just sort of. But they can be electrocuted, so. Oh, so. You don't know how they travel. It might just be able to just. Well, we know they can fly, some of them, because they told us that, and we knew that anyway. Well, we knew they were. Well, if you can injure one, and they f and you can and they fly, can't you use like a grappling hook? Hit it with a grappling, you know, like like just this, a, an arrow. This is with why a... I thought we should we should pack um, mist nets. Yeah. Um, and and set up mist nets. If it tangles up its wings, it can't fly. And and then possibly something like a cattle prod. Our cattle prod. There you go. Something we can get hold of in the ninety. I'm going to look at when the cattle prod was invented. Now. And that show heavy duty nets as well for once we cap well. Assuming yeah. you capture one. Maybe we could just make friends with them. Bring extra socks, tug. Oh, they don't like socks. They're 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 lobsters. They like you, butter. You can maybe you can maybe recruit the little critters though to help catch them. <laughs> maybe. Bring oh. some lemons. They like lemons. <laughs> lemons? Lemons, you know. 
Squeeze a little lemon juice. Okay. Um, I think it's going to be hard not for us to just kill them, but we'll, we'll try to capture one. The cattle prod was invented by Texas cattle baron Robert J. Kleberg Jr. of the King Ranch around 1930, although versions were sold as early as 1917. Hmm. So, in electric cattle prod in the 1917 magazine. So, essentially, yes. So, so how did he invent it in 1930? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I think he's what um, uh, what uh, scientists refer to as uh, a liar. <laughs> yeah. those those original cattle prods you had the little crank on them to generate the electricity <laughs> hey look what i invented you just bought that from sears yeah same thing okay do we, see, okay, do we see we've got a couple of i like tug's idea about a grappling kind of hook you know a couple of them on yeah. some ropes something okay. with a cable or a rope attached we don't know how strong they are. Maybe a cable, a lightweight cable. So are we, are we thinking like just a, a cable, like something you throw? Or are you talking like... Something like like something with a bolt on the end of it that's got a... It's got an arrowhead so that when it sticks in, it doesn't just pull right back out again. Kind of almost harpoon-like then. Or a, a cross... I say crossbow. Now it sounds like we're in Dungeons and Dragons, but I mean they do have crossbows. Sure, that's an idea. Something like that with a bolt on the end that's got a. The idea being to pierce the thing and then you can hold it with the, the cable. If that's not too far fetched. That makes sense. Yeah, I'd say I'd say something like that if we can get it. Um, I think what about I a net? Yeah, we've mentioned two different kinds of nets. Yeah. Um, I think I mentioned too that, you know, when we discussed this one or two episodes ago, I was asking one of you to also keep notes as to what you're bringing. So uh, I, want, I want to share some of that responsibility. Okay. Okay. Um, so it's, we'll say it's, uh, let's see, we'll say it's a Wednesday night. Um, you're supposedly going to ship out tomorrow, Thursday. Okay. Um, the secretary, uh, Emily's secretary, her name was Miss Preston. She contacts you all, and at some point, she lets you know that after dinner, um, um, like around seven o'clock, uh, she will uh, ask you all to come to the conference room, and it's just going to be a last-minute get-together. Edward wants to do a little presentation, and sure. so it'll be it'll be your whole team basically. You know, your your team plus the let's see, I got my notes here. Dr. Drake, the psychologist, Dr. Matheson, the scientist, Sam Morrison, the security chief, and Larry Neckler, the mechanic. Um, so, 
again, I'll just give you the opportunity. Anything you guys want to do before the meeting? That, that was Rex. When, when that. Uh, I'm good. I'm ready. That was, that was Rex after he was muted. <laughs> Very high pitched bark. <laughs> All right, so after dinner, you guys retire to your rooms for a brief time, um, and eventually seven o'clock rolls around. Uh, you all walk into the conference room, and everybody uh, on the team is already there, so you guys are coming in, not late, but you guys are the last ones there. And Mr. Adelard, you know, welcome gentlemen. Please have a seat. We'll just discuss this real quick. Um, and again, he, he just turns to you guys and he just puts out an open to everybody. He's like, does anybody have any last minute concerns? I mean, we, we have pretty much done a lot of preparation work for this. So I don't expect us to have any more issues or problems, but I just want to give this last opportunity to, you know, last minute ideas or, I don't know if I explained the travel procedure here. So tomorrow morning, uh, you guys will leave from Detroit on train. Uh, I've got one flat car, which we will put the truck and the car on that. And then we have another full box car where you guys can travel in the box car along with all the equipment that, you, that we're bringing, um, which is quite substantial if you think about it. Uh, there's talk, I think, I don't know if you remember, there's talk of uh, like radio antennas and generator so it's like you know it's a it's a pretty good expedition i guess you would say does it have uh some sort of a steel cage because if we capture one of those things and need to bring it back we'll need to bring it back somehow we can't like put it on a boat or we have to put it in a cage and bring it back sure secretly i assume okay Um, that's, that's all I can think of. Okay. I, I think, um, we actually discussed this a couple of sessions ago, but I think Danny's main concern was how the police dealt with us when we were there last time. Um, maybe somebody can refresh my memory. Did, did we kind of come up with any thoughts on that previously or is Abelard making any suggestions about staying out of trouble? I think if memory serves that was pretty much Abelard's advice to you all was you know there's there's not really a necessary uh, it's not really beneficial to go in like in disguise because they're gonna they're gonna know you it's a small town you were just there like two weeks ago and you were there for over a week where you interviewed. So you've met a lot of people already, you know, it's, it would be really difficult to go in like undercover. Mm. Um, so I think his advice was to pretty much just, you know, just try not to get in too much trouble and be, be cautious. Um, I will say this, maybe, Maybe Mr. Morris and the security chief will point this out in that when you guys were there last time, it was under very different circumstances, right? You guys were students at the time. Right. 
field trip, you know, you were, um, you know, this is not that, right? So now right. you have kind of the, the weight of federated oil and chemical behind you at this point right now. Right. Right. So that sort of changes the dynamics where the sheriff might be used to throwing his weight around when it comes to a couple college kids, which technically you guys still are, but you know, now we're now employees of uh, federated. Right. Yeah. And you know, from experience as well, that when things got rough in Arkham after the big, chaotic night where and you got dragged down to the police station then that in a short amount of time a lord came in with a swarm of lawyers and basically just walked you guys right out of there so yeah. if the sheriff starts threatening you know i'll throw you in jail or whatever you know it, he's just advising you just sit tight go with it and in a short amount of time i'll have you guys out of there um, when when we went on our, our, our recent um, mission, we we were liaising with with the local law enforcement. Is that going to be um, a similar situation in in Bennington, or, or do we think potentially that they might be compromised, or that other other elements of the community might be compromised? Yeah, because we tell Avalard that. They suddenly acted rather opposite than they were acting earlier. Yes. And this is something and, and Abelard's going to be pretty much like open and upfront about this. This is something we're still struggling with how to deal with. Yeah. We don't necessarily know like it was, it was mentioned earlier I think by you guys you know how do we know? How do we know I'm who I am? Um, so with this whole brain switching and mind control, and you know, it, it's certainly a caution and something to be aware of. I'm I'm struggling right now as to I don't necessarily know what the answer is. Um, I think that. that <clears throat> sorry, Jeff. Danny, I think would say at that point, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go in with understanding that there has, there, you know, there is some of them are compromised. You know, look at how quick it happened, Jasper, with the the students when we were there. You know, that night. I think, I think we have to. Um, I don't want to go crazy and and paranoid, but I also think at the same time after this last little mission we did. And also the, conf the kind of renewed confidence that, that Abelard gave us when he got us out of jail before we were in jail. Um, I think we're probably going in a little bit more confident, like the security guys suggesting, you know. We've now got a company behind us. We're, we're still students, but we're also employees now, you know. So Danny's, Danny's confidence is a, a heck of a lot higher. Yeah, there's a certain level of you know, summer getaway, party scene, blah, blah, blah. You know, this is, Abelard's kind of looking at you like, I hope, I hope we're not in that same mindset for this trip. Um, we're on a job, well, sir. Mr. Abelard, my mindset is that 
We may as well assume all of Cobb's corners to be compromised, considering the way people there behaved before. But on the other hand, just how many deputies are in a village of that size? Uh, we saw well, there's the sheriff, his deputy. Deputy Cutter and Sheriff Spencer. That's all we saw. So even assuming that there are twice there, there are many more of us than there are of them with regard to the local law enforcement. As to the rest of the village, well, I suppose I, whatever is compromising them, we saw firsthand. I, I think, I, I don't know if I'm right in this or not, but one of the ways that we can tell is it doesn't seem to me like a, a Miko agent would be sending us into Miko territory to root out the Miko. So I think we can trust you. All right, was that directed toward me? I got sidetracked. No, towards Abelard. Could you yeah. repeat this? I'm sorry. Well, I said, I, I don't think that Amigo agent, if Abelard were an Amigo agent, would be sending us into Miko territory to root out the Miko. Right. So, unless, unless there are competing factions among them. That's, yeah, there could be a reason. But then we want to be on the side of the good Miko and not the... Uh... <laughs> He's given us grenades. Remember the grenades and the guns and all that. You know, so. so I think that one, one factor would be is that if somebody was trying to hinder us from getting to some place, they could be a Miko agent. If they seem completely oblivious to anything that we're talking about, then they're probably not. They're just innocent bystanders. Or amigo agent who's particularly skilled in seeming oblivious. Well, there's one thing about that. If you're really skilled at seeming oblivious and you are oblivious, then you're not accomplishing anything either. <laughs> <laughs> really easy to hide in a closet. We learned that. <laughs> so uh, this, it's a good conversation. Uh, Dr. Drake, the psychologist, he's going to speak up and he, he poses the question to all of you. Um, you know, like, like, he, like Dr. Adler said, we don't necessarily have an answer for this. And of course, we could get into all the hypotheticals. Well, what if such and such? But let me ask you, because you all have pretty much dealt with this directly and firsthand how did you know that the students were not who they said they were they weren't acting anything like we knew the students we they were our they were our friends their personality changed um uh higgins suddenly was speaking german he didn't know german they didn't make much of an effort to conceal the differences in their identities in fact when they were confronted they seemed contemptuous more than evasive but we also determined through a test that they did seem to have the memories available to them of the original people they knew what we were talking about if we talked about certain specific things that our friends knew yes it was it was most uh, uncanny and perplexing that <laughs> I, I still I still suspect that uh, it may not be as simple as a replacement of the of the brain, unless the memory, of course, is stored in the body. But, well, what do you or, think, Doctor? How plausible is it that memories would uh, survive a transfer of brain? So I'm curious to see 
Tug, can you do an idea roll? Me? Okay. I came up with the butter. <laughs> uh, 74, you know. Now just think if you were the first person to combine lobster and butter, Tug, you'd be... I think, uh... I think Jasper was going to say something, weren't you? Well, I, I was just wondering, I mean, if the, if the, um, if the memories are intact, then, then wouldn't that mean that it was more of a, um, a, a transfer of, of consciousness rather than a, a physical operation to replace the brain, that, that uh, another consciousness was imprinted upon the that, brain. That was my working theory, Jasper. Something but, just occurred to me. What if when they, what if when they excise the brain, what if they're able to somehow preserve it and then transfer its consciousness and personality to some other host through some means like, uh, well, uh, wireless telegraphy. Uh, we, we did see a brain connected to some technological device. Uh, uh, did it seem to you like they didn't really have much personality? Like maybe the in, in, the the knowledge transferred, but not the, the emotional attachment to it? You mean uh, emotional attachment to uh, previous right. memories or even they, to the new personality? No, to the previous memories. They uh, simply agreed. had information. They didn't have... Yeah, there seemed to be meaning. nothing of uh, Clarissa or Higgins or any of the others. Plus, we also had a... Uh, I guess you'd call him an informant, too. One of them... Uh, betrayed the others. Yeah, so but he that's told right. us what was going on. The, the defector certainly had plenty of uh, emotion concerning his own uh, memory and personality, and nothing of his host that we could see. Right. So, um. so that means that unless they are skilled actors and deceivers and uh, Either some of the ones we met already either were not or did not care to be. It could be that we could detect them uh, through a, a lack of emotional response to uh, something in their memory. I, I don't think they were the same, though. I don't same think as that, what? I don't think those people were Migos. No, they seem to be their servants. Perhaps this is what the Migo do when they uh, when they take the brain. Perhaps they can somehow. Um, enslave uh, its mind. Let's speculate on the on the train. <laughs> I, say, I say we catch a Migo and ask it. Yeah. Well, that is what we're aiming to do, isn't it? That's a very good point. Hopefully it will answer before being uh, interrogated to death this time. Well, let's try not to kill anything. And you see Dr. Matheson kind of stiffen up a little bit. Like, she knows you're talking about it. Um, man, there's a piece of information I really want to give you guys, but I want you to work for it, too. And you're dancing around it. Okay, let's think uh, deeper. Jasper, Jerry, <laughs> do a dance roll or an idea roll. If I, if I do a, a shamanic uh, inspirational dance, will it raise my idea roll? <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Fine. 
got um, yeah, sixty-eight, yeah. which is, uh, uh, I just passed on on my. Uh, I, on I, my um, I also succeeded by field. one point, sixty-four yeah. out of sixty-five. Not great. Um, go ahead, Danny. Anything? Hey, do you want me to roll? Yeah, go. Give me a roll. I was kind of looking for a hard, really, to be honest. What did you get, Jasper? Sixty-five. So that's still it's a good pass, but it's still a not hard. Give me use like to pass. I mean, um, one of the things oh. if it helps, I might have nothing to do with it. But one of the things when the guys are talking, I just remind everybody that there was a canister at the the professor when they were going to operate in the professor. So it was literally a brain swap. And yeah, just I think it was Jerry said about how emotional the guy was. I can't remember the name of the, the guy that was really angry when he found out the family had all disappeared. If that was that the was, one that gave, that was Robert. Was it Robert? Yeah. So it's clear clear that the emotions were still there of the original brain and the body. Maybe not, not the original person of the body, but the brain. That's right. Maybe some of them were agents and some of them were Miko. What if the ones so. who were doing that? My character suddenly uh, stops talking because he's remembering something that he shouldn't be remembering. Um, and I, I, how, how, why are we so certain that it was a brain transfer? Did we see another brain, or was it possible? Jasper, that the Jas sure, Jasper and me were in uh, the science lab with the professor's body lying out, ready to be operated okay, on. Okay, I have to get up and go. <laughs> there, there was a jar. Yes, there was a jar, but unless the contents, did you inspect the contents of the jar? Was there a second no, brain? It was, it was empty, waiting for Exactly, so perhaps there's no transfer at all. Perhaps the, the jar is simply to store the brain that's stolen. We don't know that it's anything other than a container, or perhaps the transmitter is somehow in the well, jar. Well, we know from the testimony of the one up in the hill, up in the graveyard, that's how we know from the evidence. Well, we, 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 could, we could stand here theorizing about this Let's forever. Let's catch one. It ain't, going to, and it ain't going to amount to a whole hill well, of let's, beans. Well, let's also do our best to recover some canisters, if we can, On the, and their equipment, if we can. Yeah, I think at this point, Abelard, well, for two things. Uh, Dr. Drake's going to get up and follow Tug outside uh, wherever he walked off to. And um, Abelard will then say, you know, this is an excellent point just to remind you that, you know, Danny, you brought up the good point that, yes, I'm, I'm, I equipped you as best as I could. And, you know, I, I want you to guys be safe and secure. And if things get violent i hope you all are prepared for it but but in in talking about this it's a good example as to you know our number one priority i think is information right so the capture and possible interrogation again is really like at the top of you know the more we know and we the more we can learn about these creatures the more that's going to help us down the road if we just go in and we kill five of them yeah that's that's a win but it may not be a long-term win. Information. We must get it by hook or by crook. Mm. We must. Well said. You won't get it. 
<laughs> Prisoner, sorry. Uh, uh, do you wanna? Do you wanna? Where did you? Where did you? Walk I uh, I walked out of the corridor. Maybe I'm. I'm just down at the end of it, grabbing my head, trying to. I've got a, a splitting headache. I I'm trying not to remember something. So you know, after a minute or so, the Dr. Drake just comes out and he kind of just cautiously pokes his head around a corner and just gives you a quick little, you okay there, Tim? Yeah, I'm fine. You need to talk about it at all, or? Uh, there's nothing to talk about. Okay. Well, that's part of why I'm here, so if you need me, just give a, give a signal or say the word. I just ignore the doctor. And he eventually turns around and goes back in there. All right. I'll come back after a few minutes. Okay. Yep. So then, um, uh, you know, we'll just say that this plays out over the course of about an hour, this discussion back and forth. It seems as though everyone's sort of got a theory and a, an idea, but you're, we're, everybody is still struggling for answers. So it's, it's, there's a lot of good ideas, a lot of good theories, but we just don't know at this point. So then eventually Avalard kind of like looks around to the other team members and he kind of like makes eye contact with, eye contact with them. And there's like, the, you know, they've all gone sort of quiet and they're looking at one another and you guys kind of realize this and you're like, you know, why the sudden shift? Why the, you know, there's something going on. Um, Abelard pulls his wheelchair back from the table a little bit and there's a, uh, like a table, I guess, a box almost uh, with like a tablecloth over it. And he starts to pull the tablecloth off the box. And he says, is it, you guys think it's time? And Dr. Matheson says, I think it's time. And he looks at all four of you and he reaches down and he opens the door to this sort of cabinet thing. And he pulls out a nice big bottle of French champagne. And the secretary gets up, she starts to walk around and starts handing out glasses to everybody and says, so gentlemen, let's, let's now kick back, relax. We've done all the hard work. There's not much more else we can say about anything. So let's just have a good time tonight. Um, you see Larry get up and he turns on the radio in the background, puts it on some jazz swing music. Um, you know, let's, let's have a little fun before our trip tonight. What say you? Uh, I say, uh, Jeff, that I'd like to make a psychology role because, I don't know, uh, maybe I'm interpreting it wrongly as a player, but the way you described the, the pause and look prior to this made it seem, makes it seem rather staged somehow or not quite. I mean, surely Mr. Abelard doesn't need the, uh, you know, consensus of all of these people uh, just to drink some champagne. So, it is, it is uh, prohibition. Is it possible? 
Uh, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who'd care. He didn't care before that he gave us like mini bars, basically. So, um, is it possible to roll psychology on a whole group, Jeff, or do I need to choose a particular individual? What? Let me ask you this: What do you hope to gain with the roll? What What are you looking to learn? Um, any sign that any of them are. Uh, prepared for something other than drinking some champagne, any sign that their uh, part of their attention is elsewhere, uh, you know, uh, like they, are, are they prepared? Are they, uh, you know, getting ready to like wheel us away and put our brains in jars? You know, after we drink the champagne, you get the idea. So basically, so basically, it's like a psychology slash detect me go roll. Is that? Or, or just uh, you know, any kind of malintentions or. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Danny's saying, "Bring it on." On a sixty-four, <laughs> this seems oh, legit. Good, man. Uh, I think, um, we, considering that I failed by forty-four, I uh, put my uh, concerns aside, down to uh, paranoia, and uh, prepare to appreciate some champagne. Maybe Danny sees you looking a bit nervous and just pats you on the back and says, come on, Jerry, let's have a drink. All right, I suppose we've earned it. At which point he checks out the doctor to kind of work out what age she is to see if she's worth chatting up. Ah, to be young again. All that testosterone. Full of beans and spunk. <laughs> Just to be clear, did you mean Dr. Sarah or Dr. David? <laughs> any, anybody really that's on the go. Any court in a storm. Well, actually, to be honest with you, they're both around the same age of late 40s. Ah. Uh, well, you're the GM. You the, can adjust that. The peak. <laughs> the peak of attractiveness. Uh, he, he can give you sufficient champagne to adjust that. <laughs> um, I will say this. I don't know if you remember, Tug, but you were somewhat attracted to the secretary when you got in the limousine. Yeah, but I think at the moment I'm, I'm disturbed by something that just not this, mm -hmm. but I just had an episode, so to speak. Okay. And uh, I'm not even sure that I'll drink, but I'm, I'm considering that maybe I should just drown it out with alcohol. I've been known to do that. How long is the train trip going to take? Um, I don't think I have it exactly, but it's probably going to be... Give me a second. Let's see. Hours and hours, yeah. Yeah, I think... Um... You're traveling from Detroit to Massachusetts. I forget the name of the town. Uh, you're going to be staying there overnight. And then the next day, you'll be taking a different train from Massachusetts to Brattleboro, Vermont. Okay. It took us four hours, didn't it, to fly here? Yeah, give or take three. So it's going to take about at least like 10 hours in a train, right? Probably all day, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I can get drunk. I'll uh, I'll get drunk. I better bring my banjo. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not interested in flirting or anything right now. Okay. 
All right, well, if Tug's ignoring the secretary, I'm sure Jerry can fill in, so. All right. Um, so we'll say, you know, Larry's a bit of a partier too. He's kind of letting loose. He's sort of dancing with whoever will dance with him. Um, can you give me, oh, Larry's actually young. He's around 28 too. Well, which one is Larry again? Larry's the mechanic. Ah, oh, right. Um, Dance with Applebart. <laughs> wheel his wheelchair around. Do do do. <laughs> After a few champagnes. Well, you know, those 1930s wheelchairs are pretty heavy. That could be quite difficult. Didn't they also have high backs on them? Like yeah, they're, they're basically they're like an armchair on wheels, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so maybe the real motive, maybe the real motive is uh, Abelard wants to, uh, you know, get one of the brain transfer gadgets for himself so that he can, uh, you know, uh, transfer his mind and walk again. I, Jerry would never actually think of that, so that was just me being random. I definitely would not say say or even think that in character. I'm I'm quiet all evening, but I'm drinking. What's the name of the security guy again, uh, Jeff? Uh, Peter Murdoch. Murdoch. Great last name. Yeah, if I didn't say it, so Peter Murdoch was the bodyguard. Um, Selena Preston was the secretary. And then Michael Ebert. I think it's now my goal for the rest of this scenario is to pronounce Abelard different every single time I say it. <laughs> Abelard, 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 Abelard. 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 I, I think Danny was so excited to get into the drink because when there was all this mysterious thing about the cupboard, he was half expecting somebody's head to come out. Yeah. You know? me, yeah. me, I was yeah. expecting a canister. Yeah, me, me, so was I. Uh, um, but only a canister of champagne, apparently. So uh, I guess, uh, guess I might as well uh, roll charm on the secretary. The, the proper pronunciation of his name is Nyarlathotep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the reason he can't walk is because he's got no bones. He's got two tentacles for legs. Yeah. Is anybody oh. under that blanket? Now, see, we're all staring very carefully. We want to see what your reaction is. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, so my character is just going to get smashed and uh, not really interact with people. Okay. Um, it's generally party town. Um, you know, everybody's having a good time. Everybody's cutting loose. The tension has been ramped up to here, and now all of a sudden the steam valve has been released, and people are cutting, cutting back a little bit. Um, although... Uh, Mr. Abelard will, at one point, he becomes, what's the word, melancholy? Yeah. Um, where, you know, he's sort of just sitting back, listening to you guys telling stories, joking around, having fun. And at one point, he just kind of sits back, and you kind of see that look come over his face. And um, it's up to you guys whether or not you want to question him on it, or call him on it, or just let him... I, I can guess he's probably thinking about his kid that died. I wouldn't talk to him. 
about it. <laughs> I ignore it. Okay. And eventually, you know, in due time, if nobody, it, it, it goes away, he kind of relaxes again. He gets back into the, he's enjoying the, the moment too. Um, so it's starting to get a little bit late. I mean, it's, it's not like four in the morning or nothing like that, but you know, it's 11 o'clock. Um, since you guys mentioned it, give me an idea how many glasses of champagne you've had. Um, I've had enough that I'm now dancing like that. And, um, I'm in the back of my brain. I'm on the verge of uh, writing uh, the song "Funky Town" by Lips Incorporated, fifty years early. Okay, I was kind of looking for a number, but uh, how uh, good is the champagne? That would be three glasses. Oh, of it's champagne. it's going to be good champagne. Yes, high quality. Bubbles have gone to my head. How many glasses has the secretary had? He's been matching her drinking. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. five. No. <laughs> she said two so far. I, uh, I don't know how many classes of any alcohol it takes to get that drunk, but champagne's not that that strong, yeah. is it? Uh, it's average. It's still it's still wine. You know, it's like if you had. I don't you, drink wine. If you equate it to, I think a glass of wine is equal to a beer, give or take. Well, I'm still on my first then, if I I'm can. On my, I'm on my sixth. <laughs> oh, okay. But I've so, got a pretty good tolerance for alcohol, so. Right, so, so Tom, I guess for your benefit. So the range is pretty much uh, zero to two, going all the way up to seven plus. So okay. if you have seven plus, you're in like the high excessive category. Okay, well, I would I would say six, six, and I'll probably have a seventh uh, if if I feel like it. But I'm getting tired, and I'm getting I'm a little drunk. I'm I'm maybe more than a little drunk. Okay. I've had three. I might go for four. I'm only a wee chap. I yep. know my limits. Yep. But luckily, it's champagne, so there'll be no hangover in the morning. Yes, good champagne. Uh, Danny, I think Danny's on about four. So he's he's probably feeling quite jolly and doing the Charleston. I got an 08 on my power roll, which means that I'm not sobbing. Okay. But I'm right. I'm right on the verge of. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe I love you guys. <laughs> Daniel, Jerry, maybe try and cheer tug up. I think. And Jerry, I'm sorry. Did you say? Uh, I. Jerry's hopefully still on his first, but I'm sure he's going to have a second. Uh, okay. Yeah. You can't let the secretary out drink you. Well, that was, my intention was to do exactly that, right? I mean, uh. but uh, but also, he's not going to like only have one. So I would I assume that I'm starting glass number two. Okay. All right. Let's do this first. Um, Danny and Jasper, could you each make a con roll? I mean, for the sake of time, you all can do a con roll except for Jerry. I have rolled 17 out of 60. I failed. I passed. 
So Jasper, that's pass, right? Yep. Yeah. That's a hard pass. In fact, I got a hard pass. Yeah, a hard pass too. I've got a little bit of wind. That's about the limit of it. <laughs> 29 out of 60. Okay, so Danny. Could you do a 1d4? One. Okay. So a little bit of weird mechanics here. They actually have this in the book, which is interesting. I'm kind of, it's interesting. I'm, I like that they put this in here. Uh, they kind of broke it down into alcohol effects. Uh, so I'm, I've got a chart here and I'm joking. Okay. Cool. Uh, so the passes, so we'll say you guys are under the influence. Uh, wait, let me just check one thing. Yes. He's checking to see how drunk we are before the Miko attack. Yeah, it's kind of weird because they don't say <laughs> what the past does. Notice he didn't say, no, what are you talking about? Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, then I'm just going to say this. Then, Tug, you can handle your alcohol then. How's that? Yeah. Um, and frat parties. Yep. Uh, but Danny, any uh, skill roll that you do or characteristic roll that you do is going to be decreased by one level for one hour. So where you would normally need a regular, you need it now a hard to pass. One hour in game time. And with that said, everybody's dancing, Danny and Jasper doing the Charleston together, and Jerry's got the ear of the secretary. Tug's having a good time. Those got her ear. Got a what? Got he's, her ear. He's got her ear. Yeah, he's talking her ear off. Oh, right. Sorry, I thought you meant he, like, <laughs> no, right, sorry. It's, it's late. I jumped to the wrong conclusion. Sorry. <laughs> got her ear. <laughs> and don't, so, don't be, don't, don't be crass, Don't be crass, Jasper. Oh, I didn't uh, say it out loud. I mean, <laughs> are you are you sure? <laughs> because considering how drunk you are, uh, uh. so everybody's having a good time, and suddenly the lights go out and the music stops. It is now pitch black. Time for bed, then. Is there any noise? You hear Abelard curse. It's like God damn power company again. I am. I'm gonna flick a light on. I'm going down on my hands and knees. Yeah. Is it that kind of party? So, so, so is this the? I say so. So is this is this the part where you uh, tell us truly uh, scary and disturbing stories, Mr. Avalar? No, no, no. Uh, uh, thank you. Thanks for the light there, Jeff. Good thinking. Um, <coughs> And he, he wheels himself over to the cabinet area and he starts opening the cabinet and starts rummaging through some of the stuff. And eventually he pulls out about, uh, could each of you do a luck roll? 
Ooh, oh seven. Plus. Five. I passed by one. Thirty-four out of thirty-five. Wait a minute, that's the wrong sheet. Um, sorry. Um, yeah, I passed. Danny, is that a regular pass or a hard pass? Just regular. Regular. Um, he pulls out three flashlights. Actually, four. He gives one to his bodyguard, and he puts three on the table for you guys to take if you want. I grab a flashlight. I scoot over and I grab a flashlight. <laughs> and he then also pulls out a few uh, candles. And uh, with uh, your lighter, Jasper, if you would be willing to light some of the candles. I have scooted over. I think I've gone under the table. And I've got my hand on my buck knife because I'm drunk. And I'm scared, and I'm suspicious. <laughs> There's no um, outside light. The windows aren't, they're shuttered, I think, or closed off, aren't they? Yeah. Yes. He doesn't want people to know what's inside the building, so. Yep. Is there, is there any way I could have a look out the window, or is it closed, like, literally closed off? It's literally closed off, and um, what's that? The paint they put on it for the, the black paint, yeah. Paint. Okay. Um, interesting. The candlelight, and, candlelight and champagne. Uh, this is uh, certainly uh, certainly becoming a more gothic party. Yeah, Abelard. He, I do apologize, gentlemen. I, I did not. This is not part of it. I did not plan for this, obviously. Uh, I'm sure it's a, just a, another electrical outage. We get them from time to time. Um, anybody reacting to Tug being on the floor under the table? No. Okay. <laughs> um, maybe Danny's well, looking at I'm... the psychiatrist. or. Well, no, no harm done, Mr. Avalad. It's at atmospheric and contemplative as uh, as entertaining as uh, modern tombs like the Charleston can be, looking over at Danny and Jasper. Uh, uh. Uh, yeah, Danny, you see the, the uh, professor kind of like, he's, he's, he's taking notice of Tug's behavior. He's, he's not reacting one way or another. You just see that he's watching Tug intently. Can Danny go over and try and pull him out of, of it? Because he's, he's been a bit weird tonight, Tug, and he's usually good fun, you know? So could I maybe do something to help out? A, a chat, I don't know. Charm what are you to do? <laughs> maybe be charming. Can try. Come on, Tug. Come on, Tug. We should all be listening. What if this is an attack? Uh, Jeff, when Tug says, does Tug say that out loud? Or is he yeah, I said it out loud. So Jeff, when Tug says that, I would definitely reconsider my demeanor and uh, make a listen check if that's acceptable. Okay, hold that thought for one minute. Um, Tug, can you do a luck roll for me? You betcha. <sighs> uh, 51... 
And my luck is currently at 60, so yes, it passes. Passed. Okay, I'm going to say this. Uh, I didn't actually say at the beginning, which was partially just a memory lapse, but I also didn't want to focus on it too much. The same, when you guys landed on the plane, do you remember when you approached the limousine, do you remember the bodyguard came out and he patted you guys down and everything? Uh-huh. Yeah. So they did the same process again when you arrived back from Canada. So Danny, you had your pistol on you, um, but before you entered, when you got to the basement, they did the same thing. They asked for your weapons back. I'll say, Tug, that with your luck roll uh, in the process and the shuffle, he missed your knife. Okay. So I so do have my knife. You have it. Uh, and you're branching it? You actually have it out? Yeah, I've got it out. I've got it in my hand. I'm reacting the way I would react because we just fought off a murderer and a, <laughs> and a lobster or a bunch of student lobsters okay and uh, all right now i would like to come back to what you were saying danny about maybe talking them down or something can you elaborate or do you want to talk that out with tug or how do you want to um i don't think my fast talk i'm a fast talk rubbish um i've got a decent charm I'm naturally charming, so I could just maybe potentially use that if you think it's appropriate. Yeah. Um, Can you explain your intent? You're just trying to talk him down? Is that... Yeah, well, I, I kind of see Tug as, as, a, as a good pal, you know, and uh, not only have we been through this whole situation together, but there's been some fun moments, so I'm, try I'm just really trying to draw him out of the paranoia. You know, and when I see the knife, I realize he's a lot worse than, I thought he was just a little bit depressed tonight, but he's obviously been more anxious than I realized. And Tug, you know, so it's okay, calm down. And I make sure when I'm, because I've got one of the torches, I make sure there's plenty of light around where we are. And uh, don't worry about it. It's just a, it's an ordinary power cut. These things happen, you know that, you know, and. How, how do you know? We need to have people looking around, see if they're or not. Remember the whole darkness. Uh, don't you remember when we were all trapped inside uh, in Cobb's Corner and the darkness was outside? Yeah, that, that was outside, Tug. This is yeah, a well, cut. what if those things are here? Well, look, you're going to hurt yourself with that knife, so can I put it down, old man? Put it down. I know how to use a knife. I'm not going to hurt anybody unless they've, yeah, they've got you've claws. Had, you've had a few drinks. So have we all. I don't know. Let's see what my let's see what my willpower is, and it's not very good. I got an 18. <laughs> I ain't letting the knife go. Well, I passed my charm, if that helps. But, I mean, actually... Tug has sown an idea in Danny's mind as well. Maybe something is going on, right? <laughs> so so he's kind of pretending that he's doing this for Tug's benefit, but he's, he's also shining a light over near the doors to the room mm -hmm. to make sure there's no intruders coming in. Say, you know, and assuming all is well, I'll be saying, Tug, look, look, it's okay, nobody's around, you know? Unless somebody is around. My character is... I mean, I, I, Tug is just... He's fucking paranoid at this much. Why aren't the lights coming back on? 
Tom, can you, uh, Danny, can you do this first? Could you do a spot hidden? And yeah. while he's doing that, is it possible for me to have made a listen check while they were talking? I have not forgotten. Uh, oh, okay. I'll wait for you to come back to that. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a hard to pass. Um, okay, Tug, can you do the same, do a spot hidden, but I'm, I'm looking for an extreme from you. Extreme for me. Oh, uh, yeah, 49, that's not as extreme. Okay. I don't even think it's a pass, hold on. Yeah, it's not a pass. Okay. So you're, you're doing you. Um, Danny, you suddenly realized that you said the word knife out loud and uh, Matherson, sorry, Murdoch, the bodyguard, he's actually, he was already up with the flashlight that Aguilar gave him and he was headed out the room into the hallway and as soon as he heard the word knife, he like it stopped him dead in his tracks and he stopped and he just kind of turned around to look back into the room to see what was going on. And you can see there's like Abelard and Murdoch are like having a conversation with their eyes right now. They're looking at each other like, um, well, I'll, I'll let you read into that what you want to read into that. Um, I think Danny might say, just say to them, it's okay, it's okay, it's under control. He's just a bit anxious. Uh, do you want do you want some help, Mister Murdoch? Do an idea roll, Danny. A total failure. Okay. Um, um. He says. He says, "Why don't so?" He, you just asked me if you want to help. He, uh, Danny, why don't you stay here for a moment? Uh, just give me a second just to uh, look around real quick. Okay. Um, hold, hold on if you need help. Tug, Tug, it's just champagne. What if it's an attack? It's what if we're about to be turned into, they're going to bring in the butter and the, and the lemon and use it on us? It's just, it's just a power cup. It's fine. Why isn't it coming back on? Well, well, in a minute. Well, then I'll calm down in a minute. Um, where's Rex? He's drunk in the corner. He had a lot of champagne. <laughs> He's over there asleep. Okay. Can I just mention that the first... Danny's been thinking about the way they looked at each other and initially I thought it was to do with Tug's behaviour and the fact he had a weapon but I'm beginning to suspect that they're actually both worried themselves about the power cut so I'm kind of feeling like I'm on high alert now and wishing I had my gun Do you think maybe they are concerned that we might be Migo infiltrators? No I don't I don't think it's as complicated as that. I think they're actually concerned something's going to happen. Just to be clear, that was outside the game or in game? That was outside the game. Well, okay. um, something I should sort of mention is I had six or seven glasses. So my reactions are not 
very quickly, quick. Mm -hmm. uh, it wouldn't be hard to grapple this out of my hand. Okay. When was the last time you heard a drunk guy say that? Unless Jasper, you wanted to say that out loud. I mean, you could still get cut, but. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, is, is, ja is Jasper drunk enough to have to make some kind of check to not say that out loud? <laughs> no, I was I was definitely saying that out of game. Out of game. Okay, that's what I thought. I just wanted to check. Um, right. Yeah. Go ahead. What sort of knife is it? it? It's a kitchen steak knife that we. Oh, sorry. No, it's it's a big uh, it's a big like buck knife. Where did you get that from? I've been carrying it around for episodes. <laughs> uh, we're, we're, we're your friends. Why are you waving a knife at us? I'm not. I'm, ne I'm, I'm just in, in case they come in. Yeah, but you're going to hurt someone with that. Well, don't come near me. <laughs> um, sorry, can, is, is someone sorting out the lights? Uh, I don't know if you heard me, but uh, Murdoch had wandered out into the hallway, and he just told Danny that he's going to check the area real quick. Oh, right. I didn't hear him because it was dark. Yep. <laughs> um, all right, Jerry, I made you wait long enough. Could you do a listen roll, or did you already do it? I did not do it. All right, worth waiting for. That is a uh, hard... Uh, yeah, that's a hard pass. Okay. Um, not sure how to describe it because you're in an office building. You're on the fifth floor. Uh, it's not like this is, you know, a cheap apartment with thin walls. Um, but you're listening intently mostly because of what Tug said and how he's sort of reacting at this point. So you're also on high alert. Yeah. So you're listening rather intently. Um, I'll say this, you can hear, I'm just going to give you, a, it sounds like a commotion. Coming uh, from where? Yeah, I mean, it's either going to be above you or below you on the floor. So I'll say it's coming from below you. Uh, that's, is there anything else I can make out other than that there is something moving about uh, yeah, technically, not, yeah, just uh, commotion. That's you know, with some uh, rattling of noises, maybe something got thrown or tossed or um, crashed. Mr. Maybe. Mr. Avalad, what's on the floor below? Um, I think, well, we'll just answer you. Uh, that's the uh, that's the staff's quarters. That's where the, the kitchen and the chef and the, uh, the maids. Uh, does it, now that he says that, does it sound like it could be like, you know, kitchen and sort of staff commotion due to everything being plunged into darkness and like people having clumsiness and chaos? Yeah. It's hard to, hard to tell, yeah. hard to definite. Uh, Jasper... You suddenly see Rex snap his head up awake and his ears go up like he's alert and there's a very low growl. Are there What's any open doors in the room? I'm sorry. 
Uh, you're in the conference room, which is right in the middle of the fifth floor. Uh, there's a big double door entrance into the conference room, and the uh, the body uh, Murdoch he just exited the door, so he left that door open, but the other door, the half door, I guess, is still okay. Open. Is there any other doors leading out besides that? No. Okay. <sighs> okay. I think no, that's I'm, I am. I'm I sorry, Jasper. I did. I did interrupt you. I didn't mean to. About the dog. It's okay. And then I interrupted Danny. <laughs> Danny or Jasper, one of you continue. You're I'll safe. let you go first, Jasper, if you want. Okay. Um, what's up, boy? I say, looking at the dog to see where he's looking. Yeah, he's just kind of like looking out the open door. Uh, Danny wants to move move towards the door with the flashlight and, and point it down both both ways. Okay. Jeff, as soon as Jasper says that, uh, I look around for anything that looks like it would be a good weapon, uh, better than a flashlight. Like, for example, is there an empty champagne bottle? Yeah, that's fine. I, I, pick, I pick it up. Okay. And then I move. Yeah, so Danny's already heading toward the door with his flashlight? Mm -hmm. Okay, so not using my own flashlight, and you said the door, it's a, it's a double, but one half is open. Mm -hmm. So, uh, however Danny is moving, uh, I'm going to try to position myself opposite to that so that maybe I might be able to come behind him, see where he's going, but if something tried to get him, maybe I could get it before it knows I'm there. Okay. All right. Danny looks at you, Jerry, like, this is, you know, with a kind of look of, this is like us at the house at Cobb's Corner when we went out the house to have a look about. Jerry uh, recognizes the look and probably has the same look. Uh. Uh, in the midst of all this, Abelard uh, is talking to Larry, um, and you hear him, you know, it's not like this, this one or anything. You just hear Abelard say to Larry, um, do, do, do you want to make your way down to the fuse box, maybe down in the basement, see if you can't get this power back on? Um, and Larry's like, yeah, sure. I mean, that's... Um, and he looks around the room, and he takes one of the candles, um, and he kind of looks to the all of you. He says, Does anybody want to join me? Um... I'm gonna I'm gonna look at uh, Rex and, and see uh, if he's still reacting to the the door. He stopped growling, but he's like tense. Uh, so Jeff, who was it that asked for someone to join him, Larry? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Mr. Avalar, do you have uh, any more weapons accessible up here? We probably shouldn't go down there unarmed. Um, he's a little bit taken aback. He's, he's like, because he sees Tug with the weapon. He sees you pick up the champagne bottle. And he's a little Do, bit... Can I, tell, can I see that he's alarmed? Yeah, that's that's what I'm okay. saying. Uh, I say, I, I gesture uh, toward the dog. And I say, uh, 
Clearly something's disturbed it, and it's not the lights going out. He's, he's not happy, that's for sure. And, and I elaborate to Mr. Adelaide, if you don't recall, this, uh, this dog's been in the presence of their agents, at least. Um, he's looking quite disturbed. <laughs> <laughs> he's a lot smaller than I expected. He's, he's, um, he's further back from the camera than you think. Like Tom Cruise. <laughs> Is that one of these mini dogs? Yeah. I, I, something just occurred to me, and I'm going to reach out quickly with my hand, not too, somewhat clumsily, but I'm going to grab Danny, and, since he's sort of hunkered next to me, and I'm going to pull him close so that I can whisper something to him. Can I just stop you real quick? Danny did yeah. say he was going out in the hallway, I think. Didn't oh, he did? Yeah. yeah. Do you want to rewind okay, that? Or who's next to me? Is anybody next to me? Well, Jerry's still in the room with you, as well as Larry, the secretary, the, you know, everybody else. How about Jasper? Yeah, Jasper's in the room, I believe. But are they, are they close enough where I could grab them and pull them down or hunker or whisper something to them? Jasper or Jerry, do you want to answer that? Uh, I don't know how far I've gotten. My intention, like I said, was to position myself uh, strategically with Danny. Uh, I mean, you decide if I'm within arm's reach of Tug or not. So Tug, I'll let you decide then. So Jasper is sort right. of focused on his dog. Jerry's focused on the door. Danny's just about out the door. Well, I hope it doesn't scare Jasper, but I'm going to reach up and grab Gas. Since he's sort of hunkered down looking at his dog, I'll mm -hmm. grab him and pull him close to my ear, my knife in my hand. And I'm going to say... Considering the danger, why is it Mr. Abelhard yelling for security to go check everything out? Instead, they seem concerned that I have a weapon. Well, I, th I think maybe they've just had um, power cuts before. They just think it's a normal power cut. Or they're Mego. But um, tell you what. Um... I whispered that. I didn't say this last right. Rex, Rex definitely doesn't think it's just a power cup. I, I, I let him go, but I start to climb out from under the table. So um, that I can protect my friends if I have to. Did anybody answer Larry as to when he asked? Yes, I said, Mr. Avalar, that there are. There are weapons accessible on the floor, surely. Right, right, right. You did ask that, sorry. Um, what did Larry ask? Larry was asking if somebody wanted to go with him oh. to check the fuse box. I think to answer that, I would say, um, why don't we check the corridor first, Larry, before you go down? Okay. And, and if, if all's clear, maybe some of us can go down. Okay. Um, Danny, are you out the door already, or are you? Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking out both ways. Yep. Flashlight. Both both ways with the flashlight, and yep. you know that Murdoch just left. You know, probably a few seconds ago, but you don't see him in either direction. Uh, and is Mr. Abelard just straight up ignoring me, or what? He's sidetracked with all that's happening around him, um, uh, and he's also he's hesitating. He's not sure. Go to advisory. 
Okay. He, uh, you can tell he's hesitating, right? Uh, there's a there's a tension where he's not sure uh, that he wants to reveal this information to you, but he says, "I think there's another weapon on the sixth floor." A weapon or uh, a weapon storage? Uh, just a weapon. I think uh, Murdoch keeps a spare weapon in his room. All right. Is it open? Uh, well. The only way to get to the sixth floor is through my personal elevator, uh, and right now with the power cut. Ah, uh, well, uh, you're saying there's no stairs? There is stairs. There's a fire escape that runs the length of the building, um, but the doors are locked for security reasons, which Mr. Murdoch has a key. You know, if the fire safety officer finds out and, about that, you're going to have you, uh, a lot of trouble. You sent him on ahead? Yeah, well, he you saw him leave the room pretty much as soon as the lights. But I still said that. Because I want to see what Mr. Abelard says. So, so you, 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 sent, you sent him on ahead out the hall? Uh, well, you were in the room with him, so he there was never a verbal... Like, go check uh, it out. It was like uh, an immediate reaction by the bodyguard. I think I, I thought I remember, Jeff, you saying that there's some kind of look passed between them, but... Yep. When Danny right. mentioned the knife, that froze... Right. So, I still want to see how Mr. Uh, Abelard reacts. Does he just seem like what a dumb... Basically, I don't care if he thinks I'm asking a stupid question. I hope he does. But if he doesn't look like it's a stupid question and instead looks surprised that I noticed that he indicated something, then I want to know that, right? So that's the goal. Not okay. that I can roll. I may not have to roll under a 20, so this is probably useless. But Jerry likes trying this sort of thing anyway, okay. even if he's not good at it, you know. So uh, uh, I'll just say this thing. He's not good at it today either because I failed the check. But, <laughs> okay, he's just a little yeah. bit confused. Is no, okay. I, I didn't, I didn't send him anywhere. No. Uh, so, so that means you don't know uh, where he's gone or when he's coming back. No, I mean it's, I mean that's his job. He's he's on alert. He's looking out for me. Well, uh, of course, uh, I understand that. Um, if uh, if Larry and perhaps myself uh, are going down to uh, check this box, um, where would uh, where would Murdoch be right now? What, what's your what's your usual procedure under these circumstances? Well, I think I think Danny's shouting, "Mr. Murdoch, down the corridor." Are you okay? Yep. Okay. And with that, you hear Mr. Murdoch. Uh, it, it's kind of um. What, hold on. I'm just gonna double check the map, and I'm as well show it to you guys too because might help just a. So you guys are on the fifth floor, down here in the bottom left. So there's basically a right. hallway that goes around and back. And you suddenly hear um, Murdoch uh, call out from behind. Uh, we'll say it's coming from this direction, the south direction. He says, yeah, everything seems OK. OK, so I'll, go on, Jerry. Let's go and, go and check it out. Uh, yeah, so uh, I. Uh, Go to go out with Danny. I say to uh, I say to uh, Larry. Uh, 
I'll uh, I'll go down with you to uh, check the fuse if you'd like after we've uh, taken a look around out here. Mm -hmm. And um, I do step out the conference room to join Danny, uh, still with the bottle. Okay. And right. the flashlight. I, I turn around to to the room and just say, Jasper, do you want to bring your dog in and can just quickly check the floor? I think that's a very good idea. Come on, boy. Uh, just to be clear, you mean the floor you're on, the fifth floor, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do that before we go anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is this is where a dog comes in handy when we're in the in the dark like this. And uh, which is a good reminder that, you know, with all the flashlights and the candles gone, you know, the lighting is changing, you know, shadows and um so when you as soon as you say, Come on boy, uh he like he's immediately like hops to his feet and trots out into the hallway. Um, you want to give them like further guidance or you just kind of like go do dog? Um, I'm going to keep close to him. Okay. Um, but I'll keep him on a, on a long leash. Okay. And um, I'll, I'll let him direct me to whatever he, he, he uh, has been attracted to out there. Mm-hmm. Because he certainly seemed to think there was something out there. Um, he is... Didn't you, boy? The first thing he did was he went up to the north part of the building where all of your individual rooms are. And he just kind of like trotted down the hallway, went down to the end, stopped for a second, turned around and came back. And then he went past you and he walked down to the south end of the hall. And he's sort of sitting in the middle and he's looking left and right. I say, Mr. Murdoch, this, uh, the dog seemed disturbed uh, after you went out. Uh, it's been exposed to them before. It clearly thinks there's something else than uh, merely a power outage. Do you uh, think perhaps if we're going to uh, search the floors, it might be better for the rest of us to be armed? Um, I would if I could. Uh, we have, we confiscate the weapons. Well, yes, I assumed you'd know where they're, you'd know where they are. Oh, they're down in the basement. Ah. Well, perhaps, uh, perhaps you'll accompany us, uh, when we go check the fuse. Uh... I can't do that. I need to... Well, no, of course you wouldn't want to. You can't leave Mr. Avalard uh, unguarded. Exactly. Um, do you, are, are they locked? Uh, yeah, the the, uh, the doors are locked. No, not the doors. Uh, is there a weapons locker in the basement? Oh, yes, yes. Do you have the key? I believe the security guard down there has the key. Ah, uh, well, then I suppose we should be on our way once we're done um, searching the floor. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Could you do a luck roll for that? Let's see how lucky you are. Maybe he does have the key since he's head of security. Okay. Can I ask a quick question? Who is still yeah. in the room? Um, I am lucky by three points. I made the roll. Okay. Um, yeah, so as, as I understand it, Jasper and Danny are out in the hallway. Jerry, are you in the hallway? Or you're still uh, is Mr. Murdoch in the hallway? Yeah. Then so am I. Okay. So, so I'm the only one still in the room with Abelard. 
Yeah, Abelard, the secretary, professor, the psychologist, the scientist, and Larry has also walked out in the hallway with Danny. And okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go out the door. Okay. Uh, but I'm going to do this where I go out the door, uh, you know, turn towards where the the, op the closed door part is, mm -hmm. and then just flatten myself against the door and listen. Now that there's nobody in the room, if they start talking. Okay. I like the knife stabby too. Um, yeah. Um, can you do a listen roll? I have lousy listen. We'll see how this does. I got an O2. Wow. I can show you. No, I don't want to show you. Because <laughs> I move my camera and then I fuck it up. <laughs> um, wait, wait, wait. I can do this. <laughs> I believe you. Uh, uh, I don't know if I can. <laughs> see the o. There it is. I see the o. <laughs> what you need is a mirror of 45 degrees. <sighs> oh, that's a good idea. I gotta get a mirror. <laughs> I can just hold it up and you can see right down. <laughs> Nick, that was a brilliant um, idea. You hear you hear Abelard talking in a hushed tone to his secretary, and he's asking her, Did you see that Tug has a knife? And she answers back, Yeah. That surprised me. And Abelard says, it surprised me, too. Um, and then you hear Abelard. There's an awkward pause. And Abelard says, Murdoch's not doing his job. And then it just sort of fades out. Um, Jerry, the head of security turns to you and he says, yes, I actually do have a key to the locker room. And he starts to take a key ring out. Okay. Um, so I'm waiting for him to give me the key then. Yeah. Um, would he do that? Well, if he looks like he needs to be persuaded, I guess I can try to either just role play it or roll that. Uh, Jerry doesn't believe that he's... Jerry sincerely doesn't think Jerry is up to anything because he's not actually paranoid of Murdoch or uh, Avalard or anything. Uh, Jerry just, uh, and he actually feels a little foolish for asking Murdoch to leave uh, Avalard unattended uh, mm. and really just legitimately thinks that uh, if he's going down there with Larry to check the box, uh, he should get the weapons because he thinks that the dog uh, has detected there's something bad going on. So it seems to Jerry to be commonsensical that they should be armed. Uh, but he wouldn't think it was weird if the guy hesitates before giving him the key. Like, maybe he has to think it over, you know, is it correct? So I'm not being pushy, but if it seems like I have to explain myself, uh, I will. Do you have any personal skills? What, like, do you have charm? Do you have uh, fast talk? Or... I have uh, persuade. I have persuade. I have charm at thirty-nine and persuade at thirty-two. If I have my choice, of course, I'll use charm. Okay. 
how does uh... Uh, I suppose the way charm would work in this case I would think would be not to try to rationally persuade or manipulate but to look like I'm the sort of person who knows how a situation like this should be handled uh, seeming you know pretty calm and collected about it okay. I was the flip, the flip side is that uh, Murdoch already knows that he's let Tug get away with having a knife. So he already looks a bit bad, you know. Mm. Thanks for reminding the GM of that, Danny. I'll be uh, sure to get ready to uh, push the roll in or spend some money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, go ahead and roll, Jerry. Uh, I made it by three. Okay. I failed by two. Uh, he hesitantly hands you the key but he like looks at you like this is my job on the line don't mess this up okay i nod uh with serious acknowledgement of the responsibility and uh be sure that i've uh, what do i suppose i'm wearing probably just a well if we were coming to dinner was this this was a meeting or this was dinner also for uh, it was after dinner, so... Uh, I'd probably still have, like, a jacket. So I okay. put it securely in the inner pocket of the jacket. Okay. And uh, then sort of rejoin the search the floor effort. Uh, but I uh, look back to see if... Where's where's Larry? Is Larry just standing around? Yeah, he's just waiting for okay. you, Danny. Okay. I see. Jasper, whatever Jasper. Ja Jasper. Larry, as soon as, soon as, uh, as, soon as we're finished with this floor, let's uh, head down. I was just okay. going to say, Jasper, are you up for coming downstairs with the dog, with Larry? Yeah, sure. Okay. And then well. last, we have Tug. Okay. I heard what the guy said. Tug is not very smart sometimes, so I rolled to intelligence to see if he actually understood what that meant, and he didn't. Okay. So he's just, he's standing there wanting to... Uh, eavesdrop some more if that's possible um but he hasn't i i think i understand what well at least he's made i've made assumptions that he hasn't made okay all right um you see uh murdoch give the another key to larry and this is the key to the uh fire escape so larry starts on his way with you guys in tow uh, Jasper, uh, Rex starts to growl again a little bit. Not, you know, not a lot, just a little rumble. Oh, I'm, I'm going to, uh, grip, grip the leash tightly. Okay. Although it's, I mean, it's a police leash thing, so I've actually got it over my shoulder. It's, it's kind of wrapped across okay. my body. It's exactly the same thing that I use when I'm walking a lug. So. Okay. <laughs> to keep him from dragging you down the street, yeah. Jeff, am I remember correctly that the fire escape is actually outside the building? Does, do you uh, exit the building? No, it's and it's kind of weird. I can show you the map, but basically, it's a little bit weird. It it runs the entire width of the building, um, and there's not a lot of description. So the way I have it pictured in my mind, so I'll, I'll just relay this to you guys. Uh, it starts at the obviously it starts at the basement, and then. Uh, I picture the, there's a door that's, again, usually locked, although it shouldn't be, as Jasper pointed out. Um, so when you open the basement door, it's kind of a double hallway, like two people wide, give or take. Uh, so there's a, like a double hallway, and then at the opposite end, there's a stairway going up 
goes up to the next floor and then there's another long hallway stairway going up so it's basically like a, it alternates zigzag going up from floor to floor does that make sense kind of yeah yeah except words, if you're <laughs> on floor three right mm. you look over the railing you would only see down to floor two you're not going to yeah. see all the way down to the basement yeah okay So we kind of like. Can I see any of them, or they see me? Sure, they're just right in the, the hallway, just about right ahead down. Right. So you guys do see me standing next to the Darkwing. Are you coming, Tug? <laughs> Danny just looks at Jerry like. Okay. Jer Jerry, f Jerry frowns crossly at Danny and shakes his head slightly. <laughs> And then there's a bit of an eye roll. Danny, Danny shouts out really loudly, don't, don't stab anybody. No, he doesn't. <laughs> uh, when I see Tug wave like that, I then also sort of look like, try to look exasperated, but I walk over there anyway. And, uh, well, Okay. At the moment, Larry's sort of fumbling with the key. Okay. And I, I sort of, if Jerry comes near me, I sort of grab him and pull him around behind the door, and I'm like, I'm listening to them to see if they're Miko. I, and I say, I know, apparently Danny doesn't. They're, they're talking about the fact that Murdoch let us, let me have a weapon without realizing it. I think that they are the Miko and they're afraid of the weapon. Um. <laughs> Tug, maybe you should head down with us. What if they say something more? It's up to you. Right, oh, I grab you and I'm I'm going with you. Let's go. Okay. Okay, so I head back. Okay. Uh, you head back. You see Larry get the key in. He opens the door. Um, it's a very musty smell. You know that it's not used. Um, it's not really cleaned at all. Uh, and Larry starts heading in. Who's behind Larry? Danny or Jasper? Right, right now. Um, I'll, I'll be behind him, I think. I yeah. think I would have been dragged into that position by the dog. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy to follow behind because the dog's obviously responding to certain things. Yep. Um, the door opens and that same sort of uh, commotion is stronger now. You're in the hallway and the, the stairs. It's only a floor now below you, so you can hear something below you. I'm kind of directing the flashlights down that way. Okay. And so Jerry can see where he's going. Okay. Uh, you get to the stop, top of the stairs leading down the fourth floor and Yeah, okay. 
the door to the fourth floor is closest to the elevator, if that matters. I'm just trying to give you a reference. Um, yep, so you have to walk down the long hallway in order to get to the door, is what I'm saying. Um, and in the process, the commotion, it sounds, again, it sounds like things are getting thrown about. Maybe, uh, was that just a scream that you heard? Maybe the maid just kind of let out a, a loud yell or scream? And have me and Tug caught up yet or no? Yeah, I'll say you're just right on their heels. All right, do I hear the scream? Yep. I think we just seem to Larry. Yeah. We just seem to Larry. Let's move. See what's going on. Uh, you get to the door and it's like knocked off its hinge. I, I relate to Danny and Robert. I'm sorry, to Danny and uh, Jasper. But I related to Jerry. That uh, that I think that uh, Abelard uh, is probably one of them, because they were afraid that. And I, I say the exact words. Mm -hmm. They said he's not doing his job. You're not no, trying to hide this from Larry, right? No, I. They haven't even thought about Larry. Tug is just annoyed that the guy didn't take the knife off you. Come on. We, we need your knife anyway now, I think. Uh, just, to, just to be clear, you guys heard the gunshot, right? Oh, did you say a gunshot? No, we, we didn't hear a gunshot. You didn't hear anything? Oh, okay. uh -huh. Yeah, I heard something, but I don't know what it was. Yeah, there, 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 was, there was a loud cracking noise. No, I... Is this a... A joke, or was you're talking about a sound. You're talking about a sound effect. Ah. Yeah, I just did it again. Did you hear? Yeah, that? I, I heard it, but I was talking. Yeah, so. can okay. you do it again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just to be clear, though, it's only one gunshot. Right. <gasps> was that a gunshot? <laughs> um, Rex uh, starts barking now. Uh, where did it seem like it came from, Jeff? Fourth floor. Uh, I'll, that's, I'll uh, what the, is, wait, is that the floor that's below us or the floor we're on? You're currently oh. standing at the open door to the fourth floor. Right. Um, I'm, uh, am I still subject to the, uh, I'm probably still subject to the problem with loud noises. Um, what, what do you roll to, uh, resist a, uh, compulsion to react fearfully you can try to do a power roll if you fail okay. um, uh, am i still subject to that or did it like go away from uh, to rats? some degree there was still it, se some... it seems like this situation would be particularly yeah it's a tense situation it was two two weeks ago give or take <laughs> well can you can you spend luck on something like this or no because i just failed by only two so it would That's, be worth spending the luck. It's really up to you. Like, this okay, is, this is then your I, character. So. Then I spend the, the, then I'll go ahead and spend uh, the luck to, uh, I guess, over. Well, perhaps I'll spend it doesn't the luck matter to overcome my, sorry. I said, perhaps it doesn't matter. We grab you. Oh, well, wait. <laughs> Get out of here? Oh, I, I was trying to not get out of here. So <laughs> when you when you say that, I uh, am easily convinced that we should indeed get out of here. 
Yeah, I think my, I think my character wants to get the hell out. Gunshots, uh, Miguel. I want to hear what Jasper is doing with Rex. Rex is barking at the moment. Um, I'm uh, holding on to uh, Rex's feet uh, um, um, because I'm now the gun's gone off. I'm kind of terrified, and okay. um, Rex is is um, becoming my comforter again. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure that I'm safe while I'm holding on to the big dog. So I'm going to carry on holding on to the big dog. Okay. Actually, Jeff, is there another way to get down other than through this way? Like, if uh, I want to, if I want to get to the basement as quickly as possible, where the weapons are, what is the quickest way to the basement? Just to ignore the fourth floor and continue yeah, uh, down the fire escape. Uh then I basically say, Larry, come on, I have the key to the weapons, let's go. And so I just start right down the stairs. I assume Tug is with me, right? Oh, we're all, I assume here. we're all going. All right, so I'm, I'm making, well, I guess I'll take my, uh, I guess I'll take my luck back since my uh, inclination to flee was uh, <laughs> agreed upon by the party. So I will then, yeah, make as quick uh, as I can down to the, uh, the basement, assuming Larry and his keys are close behind. Um, Danny, what's your inclination? Uh, Danny was hoping Jasper would let go of the dog, but he kind of gets it's his protection. So he's shouting down the corridor, into, through the open doorway down into the corridor. What's going on? As the guys are starting to move off downstairs. I, I, I don't know. The dog's in the way. <laughs> Who's, um, who's, who's down there? So you're shouting to the people, the noises on the fourth floor, right? Yeah, Where yeah, down that corridor, yeah. It's not a corridor, it's just a door going. Okay. So just like where you came from on the fifth floor, it was just a right, door. Okay. Going. I'm just shouting in then. Yep, gotcha. Um, just to clarify, Jasper, Rex is barking. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I just got a warning that my internet is unstable. So if I drop out, well, I think we're about to end soon. Arf. Um, arf. He's not pulling you though, right? He's he's barking, but he's not like anxious to go. And you got, you know, he's just barking. he's protecting you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so do with that information what you want. So Danny, you kind of looked at Jasper. Jasper, you wanna? You basically you have. So here's what here's how I'm saying this. Jerry and Tug are looking to go down in the basement. They're sort of pulling Larry along with him. Danny, you've hung back just a little bit to yell onto the doorway. Jasper, you're standing at the doorway also with the barking dog. Well, I've still got the flashlight as well, haven't I? Yep. And also, I won't go without them. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Oh, hang on. I'm just going to fully prop this. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Gotta go get a flashlight. Rex! What have you done, boy? Steady on. What's that you say? Maybe tomorrow you'll want to settle down. Okay, so um, I'm, I'm with, with, um, with Rex. I'm, I'm gonna just sort of start sort of peering Seeing if I can peer into the room with the the, the flashlight, okay. just to kind of see 
you hear a loud man's voice scream out in agony and pain. Who's there? Who's there? No answer. Um, I'm, I'm going to sort of very hesitantly creep closer to the doorway, um, hiding behind both the dog and the flashlight equally. Okay. Is Danny in front of you too? Oh, I don't know where Danny is. I'm blinded by the flashlight. Uh, it's a problem because Danny's instinct is to go and help somebody, but we're totally unarmed and we've heard a gun go off. So, And I'm clutching at your backsides trying to pull you along, but like uh, I said, I'm not going to abandon you because I'm here to protect you. Uh, Danny and Jasper, could you each do a listen roll? And remember, Danny, you need a hard now. I got um, 28 out of 40. That's just a standard pass. Okay. No, I fail. Fail. Um, could everybody but Jasper take their headphones off for a minute? You hear <laughs> this. Sorry, Rex hears this too. <laughs> Were you able to hear that at all? Yes. Okay. It's like a kind of drumming. Dan, Danny, Danny, did you hear that? No, no, I think my ears are still ringing. What? There's, there's like some kind of sort of drumming, throbbing kind of sound. Oh, am I imagining that? I just turn around to other guys and go, get the weapons now, <laughs> guys, get the weapons. Yeah, if it makes any difference, I was not waiting <laughs> to get the weapons. And if Larry hesitated, I eventually uh, start hastening or... Is, is there someone in there? Are you hurt? the door. We got to go. We, we got to get weapons. Well, they're downstairs anyway, aren't they? Oh, I, I don't like the idea of leaving an injured person there, but that, that sound was pretty weird. I'm, I'm going to just gonna start backing away. Just a kind of technical thing. See, when we came through the first door, did we close that behind us? I like lock it behind us, or is that now lying open to the floor above? Um... Well, Tug and I were the last through, and uh, I didn't obviously think of it. So. I didn't. I didn't lock it. Oh. I'll say that after only a few seconds, you know, not uh, you heard the door close behind you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, All how right. far down the stairs did me and Larry and possibly Tug get? Yeah. So the, here's how I'm picturing it. You're like gung ho, so you're kind of like going. Oh yeah. You're sort of dependent upon Larry, who has the key. Right. Um, Tug is just behind Larry, who is now caught between the two of you, as is Larry. And then Danny and Jasper are sort of lagging behind on the fourth floor, but now they've just turned to head back down. Is that 
making sense to everybody? Right. And yeah. I guess if I really, uh, if there's ever really a problem where Larry seems all confused or bewildered, uh, I would tell him, fine, give me the key and I'll get the weapons. But yeah. I think, I think that Jerry and Larry are safe. So I'm more concerned with Jasper and Danny. I'm right. I'm, I'm, if they're hesitating, I'm hesitating because I want right. to. Uh, okay. And I, you know, Jasper and Danny and Rex, you count. And Rex. Bastard. Rex, I think, can handle himself. I think he's the only one of us who can. Yep. <laughs> All right. So I think we have a consensus that everyone's pushing forward to go down the basement, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm, li I'm literally backing away from the door, though. I'm going to start by backing away from the door. I'm giving the dog the command to do that. Yep. I can't actually say that phrase, because if I say that phrase, I'm going to be <laughs> one of yep. these. He is right at your side. Yep. Um, yeah, so we'll, I think we'll end it there. <laughs> Excellent. That's a good point of high tension. Yeah, good it boy. Good boy. Our players included Mick Swan, George Sieg, Ken Trench, and myself with Jeff Wilkins as the Keeper of the Secrets. We're currently producing up to five shows a week with music and sound effects added in post-production in order to create a richer listener experience. We provide audio-only versions of our shows free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. The costs involved with the show are provided almost entirely by our patrons. Without them, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. If you'd like to support our show, visit our Patreon account. Just a dollar to a month helps us a lot. You can find it, uh, a link in the description below. Like, share, and subscribe to our show. And, uh, and sorry, <clears throat> like, share, and subscribe to our channel, and punch that bell icon for updates on our latest shows. And leave us some comments. We enjoy reading them and answering any questions you might have. This is Tom Rayleigh, together with all the members of our gaming club, inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of H.P. Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck. Good gaming.